Welcome to She's Healthy, a podcast for ambitious women on their journey to become the healthiest version of themselves. I'm your host, Lori Aikman. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm happy to have you here. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I am super happy to be here. So um, I am a multi-passionate and very engaging human being who is really interested in understanding better and more deeply what it means to be human in this world right now uh-huh. at this time. So I um, I have a couple different passions that I hold. And mm-hmm. as we all do, we all have so many things in our lives. So I do have a J-O-B job. I work for a Native American tribe here in the Pacific Northwest, and I work on recovering endangered species. Uh, so mostly focused on oh. Chinook salmon, and that contributes to orca whale recovery. So I I feel very passionate about understanding um, how we live in harmony or connected to the resources around us and how we can be better stewards of these places, these incredible places that we live. And um, so that's, that's a large part of what I do uh, in the day to day. But of course, um, for me, in order to really show up in the way that I feel like I need to, to be able to hold all the big feelings that come from somebody who works in a field where there is a lot of grief, there is a lot of pain that you are addressing every single day. I found that I need other things as well to fill my cup, to make me feel like I can truly approach this work with a full and open heart. So I, over the years, have learned many different practices and been involved and eventually um, really feel passionate about teaching it to others because I needed the guidance. I needed the support. And eventually I, I've come through kind of this dark tunnel um, out the other side, still learning a lot. I have not arrived in the like Zen on the mountaintop, but just um, so I have a, a, I call it a boutique coaching practice, really something that's there to help guide other um, women, mostly who are really feeling lost in the conundrum of the big issues that we face in our world, uh, feeling the worry and anxiety that so many of us kind of embody. And my, my role is really to help guide you through provide with you with tools and resources and to be able to kind of be a lifelong learner and really meet yourself where you're at and, and move through it. So um, I also have two children and I obviously really love being outside, being in nature, yeah. uh, all of that stuff. So that's just a little snapshot of who I am. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. So, and you are in Washington state, correct? I right? am. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, um, so to recap, I'm like, it really, I think a lot of your, my understanding is like you're coaching 
focuses around, I know you and I talked to you do emotional freedom. So, yeah. so helping, if you said that in layman's terms, like right. it's helping people do like kind of deal with big emotions, like somebody who has no idea what you do, how would you yeah. like say it? Yeah. I think it's, thank you for asking. That's a really good question. So in layman's t- terms, I really work um, with people to help them. Yes. Deal with those big emotions or lack of emotion mm. so that you can be driven by love instead of fear. So a lot of these times, these big oh, so anxiety, good. these big um, worries, these big uh, anger that we are experiencing are coming out of these places of fear. And the more that we can learn to, it's not about pushing away those emotions. They actually serve a really important role and purpose in our life, but they can get overstimulated and overactivated. We live in a kind of a world that's highly charged. And so learning how to um, manage those emotions in a way that is supportive for your mind, your body, your soul, so that you're not constantly living your life out of anxiety, but you're living your life in alignment with that heart-centered loving place. And to me, the word that comes to mind when I think about heart-centered living is really, I feel so free. I'm yeah, not, okay. I'm not being driven by that fear. I'm, I'm free to be me. I'm free to accept myself. I'm free to accept others. And, um, I'm much more able to make decisions that feel good to me. I love the way you said that. I've, it's actually something I've been reflecting on lately is just how, how much of our behaviors are, you know, we're all hardwired for survival, right? Mm-hmm. We, it's like, mm-hmm. how do I not lose love? How do I, and just, yes, these defense mechanisms or different things that people have, if we can, it's just helped me to look at sometimes when I am triggered, you know, maybe by somebody of seeing maybe there that behavior is really because there's fear, right? Like yeah. Said, we're operating yeah. from a place of fear a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, our brains are still hardwired to, you know, move us into survival. So when we are triggered by something, we get that fight, flight, freeze response. And, um, but most of the things that we're responding to are not actually going to kill us. We're not running away from the bears or the saber-toothed tiger anymore. Um, And so how do you kind of reprogram your mind to safety, security? I'm okay. I'm here. I'm, you know, away from that uh, fight-flight response. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I'm curious, how did you, you know, you kind of alluded to like like through the work that you're doing, but how did you get to this place? You know, yeah. doing this. I, I like so many of us went through a very, very dark night of the soul. It was a very rough period. It was shortly after my second daughter was born. And I think there's a lot of things that contributed to that time and that period in my life. And it was like, Sometimes I feel like we have to have these really challenging experiences in order to wake us out of a slumber or wake us out of unhealthy patterns. I just was one of those lucky people that really needed a lot. (laughs) So it kind of was like, oh my goodness, how much more can one person hold? So, you know, things like I had um, a history with depression and so 
after my second child, um, when you're trying to super mom and hold it all together and go back to work and dealing with the hormones and all those things, you know, I really experienced pretty severe postpartum depression. And then at the same time, um, we were, you know, there was some information being revealed in our family and there was some really challenging family trauma that we all had to go through. I was um, constantly in conflict and worry um, with uh, others in my family. So I was just in this state of disarray and it took, um, you know, five years or so of showing up consistently for myself, constantly learning to question my thoughts and my beliefs and what was coming up, um, setting really strong boundaries, which felt really uncomfortable, but were necessary at the time and um, constantly working through it uh, giving up things that were not healthy. I, I gave up alcohol. I gave up, um, you know, certain relationships that weren't working. And over time, slowly, 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 I feel like I was able to peel back those, those layers, um, and really rebuild my foundation. So I always think of it as like, I built my foundation on quicksand when I was a child and, and that, uh, quicksand, what really contributed to all the worry, all the anxiety, all the ruminating thoughts, all the pain, all the fear. And, um, I just got this opportunity to completely move my house and build my foundation. It was painful. It was so painful to go through. Um, but I'm so grateful for it now. Um, having, you know, there are still things to work on. It's not, like I said, I'm not, I have not arrived in the Zen place on the mountaintop. Um, I'm still in the work. I'm still doing it. I'm still having to practice, but my day-to-day life experience is 180 degrees difference, complete turnaround. Wow. So what would you say are, you know, somebody who maybe is listening to this and like feels like they're in that dark night of the soul? Like what yeah. was something you started, to, you know, like somebody's hearing this and the breadcrumb is there and like, yeah. okay, there could, maybe there is, you know, purpose in this pain or whatever. What were things that started shifting? You know, what does, um, you know, your process look like, I guess? Yeah. You know, for me, I found that there's been four really central themes that have continued to show up and really support me in being the type of person that I really wish to be. Um, One of those is being very intentionally connected to nature. And when I talk about that, it's not just going out for a hike with friends and talking and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's really learning how to be quiet and still and observe and just really feel into the, the place that you live, the nature that you're connected to. I think that, you know, if you are really connected, you see it's constantly changing. It's constantly growing, going through cycles of destruction and then rebirth. And For me, that provides such a supportive and helpful metaphor because it gives reason for those painful, destructive times, those those dark night moments. It's like, you know, we're in the season of fall right now and the leaves are falling off and the storms are coming in. And I mean, 
at least for me and in Washington state, people in Florida yeah, are like, I don't not know, so much here. I'm going to take top today, <laughs> right? October. <laughs> but you still can kind of feel into that type of change. And um, we so often fight and resist that destructive time. Um, but it it is truly an important component of creating new systems in your life. So, you know, in the fall, we are kind of in this destruction and then we move into winter and winter is not a time to, to do a ton of things. It's actually a rest period. It's when the snow is on top of the seeds and the seeds are just waiting underneath the ground. They're like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to hang out here. So um, and then you get into spring and that's when you start to birth. And so all of us have this in different aspects of our lives, in our parenting, in our relationships, in our work, in our, you know, in our relationship with ourselves. So this has been a really important thing for me is having that quiet, grounded, meditative time in nature. Um, another really important pillar has been learning and practicing and constantly coming back to self-compassion. How do I have compassion for myself? How do I connect to and accept the ouch of life in a way that's not pushing it away or rejecting it, but just recognizing that we're all human. We all are imperfect little souls running around this, this world. And sometimes there's pain in that. And how do you, instead of pushing the pain away, allow it to be, and then also allow the joys in life to be there at the same time. So holding two opposites at the same time. Oh, excuse me, at the same time. And then um, the other is really connecting to my creativity and being open to all the creative creativity that is around. And then of course, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude all the time. So, I mean, for me, those are four different principles, but when you're in that moment of the dark night, one of the things that I try to start with is how can you, <laughs> sorry, how can you create more quiet space of allowing, quiet space of acceptance and, and feel into gratitude? And it's typically for me, the, the things I resist the most, I'm like, I don't want to sit down and say what I'm grateful for. That's, that's, you know, doesn't feel meaningful or it's not going to help, but it does appreciating those tiny little pieces does help you to see a more diverse range of uh, thought perspectives than just the one that you're focused on. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. I, you know, you were talking about, um, uh, just the creativity piece I've seen, yeah. you know, I don't really know exactly. I know you do these drawings of sorts. Yeah. What yeah. is that? What is that that you do? Yeah. I, um, creativity has come into my life in, in leaps and bounds. And so one of the things I really love to do with women is a process called draw your future. Um, and really what it is, it's a different way of looking at how you can create and identify how you want to feel in the future and then take action towards it. It's really just another way of doing a, um, like a vision board, except for, it has action associated with it. 
-hmm. And we're using drawings. So that means that you're activating different parts of your brain and you're really kind of pulling things out in um, different ways. And, and people who draw are just, you know, I can't remember what the statistics, nine, nine times more likely to actually achieve the goals really? than if you just write them down or whatever, wow. because you have a visual representation that you can look at every single day. It has action steps that are associated and it just helps your brain. Your brain looks at that future says, I want that. Yeah. That is cool. And it's, it starts to problem sort solve toward the solution you want if you don't know where you're going your brain's just kind of flopping around mm -hmm. that's so interesting so if you draw versus writing it down I've never heard that before yeah yeah it's a really um it has to do with your reticulating activation system mm -hmm. reticulated um res so you know how uh when you buy a new car and mm -hmm you're like buy a red car and then you're like nobody else has a red car and then all of a sudden you drive it off the lot and you, all you see is red cars yeah it's your brain has a way of sorting information this is important this is not so what we work to do in this process is really get that ras um, system focused on the things that you really want to focus on yeah and then drawing is just fun and it's silly and it's lighthearted and you feel playful and you feel a little like a kid because you know here's some cartoon images of different things that I care about and yeah. what I have found is like I did that I've been doing this for a long time for myself, I recently went through a health journey and I had goals on that future side that kept me motivated, kept me getting up in the morning, kept me trying new things. And for me, it's not at all about doing it all at once, you know, you know, pushing it in and just making it happen. It's like, okay, if this is my goal, where do I start? Try that then add a little bit more, then switch to this. And over time, you start to find your path. It's not just a one and done, just do one thing and you're, you're there. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like take action. And then that's definitely been my journey of like, take some action, redirect, take some action, redirect. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, like with that example of my health journey, um, I started with love and self-love and acceptance, um, reading books and, and watching and taking in information from all of the positive body. Uh, what is that movement called? You know, the Oh, uh, yeah. Just like body positivity, body um, positivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I stayed there for a few months or mm -hmm. six months, even just like, what does it mean to love myself completely, no matter what my size or shape or function is right now in this moment? And how can I bring more of that in? And then I started thinking, well, I want a little bit more energy. So then I went into like hormones. And how can I look at and work with a, a naturopath or somebody like you to um, adjust and move. And then I started to think, well, I really would like to strengthen my body. So I found a trainer and I worked with the trainer and I, I started to feel this like incredible sense of power come from me. And then, you know, 
And then at the tail end, like the last like month or two, I'm like, well, maybe I should look at my nutrition a little bit. And when I looked at my nutrition, all of a sudden, all the pieces came together and, you know, I dropped like whatever, 25, 30 pounds, which is really not the point. It's that my energy feels good. I feel aligned in my body. I feel like I can really show up differently in my life. And I, you know, and I have all that foundation of love and acceptance and um, strength underneath the the weight loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. And just not, I love that approach of not, I think we can approach health stuff with all, especially diets, you know, diet, diet and exercise. We're starting the diet Monday and we're going to be super strict all or nothing. Yeah. And and I think too, I know for me, self-acceptance has been very difficult, you know, in that too, that can trigger it, you know, of I'm going to do this diet. And when I don't do it perfectly, then I'm mad at myself, you know, and there's this shame and guilt and blame towards myself of, Oh, I didn't do the plan perfectly. So anyway, we could go off on a tangent on that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, but I do think it's such an important point and to know that like, and that's a part of the self-compassion practice that I have been learning and teaching myself is when you do find yourself in those thought patterns, it's so easy to go from, I shouldn't do this to I'm a bad person. There's this spiral that happens that takes you into this this space space of shame and when you're there in that shame spiral it's so easy to feel so alone and so one of the practices there's kind of three components of um, self-compassion as in the way that I think about it one is having mindfulness around the thoughts feelings Mm -hmm. that are coming up and noticing oh, wow, I had the cookie and now listen to what's happening in my head. Like why, what's going on? So that's the mindfulness. You're catching yourself. You have that presence. The second is connecting to common humanity. Like I, I know I am not the only 40 something mom in this world who struggles with these sorts of thoughts, these sorts of behaviors, these sorts of things. And so having that sense of like, I bet even in this very moment when my my mind is spiraling, there's another woman out there right now who is also Mm -hmm. having that spiral. And can I connect my heart to her right now and just know that I'm not alone? Mm -hmm. So that's a common humanity. And then the third component is how can I cultivate self-kindness? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, oftentimes we say things to ourselves that we would never say to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, how can I instead be my own inner ally, my own inner friend? Um, and so, the things that I tend to do is like I will put my hand on my heart and I'll say little phrases like, oh, "May I love and accept myself just as I am. May I forgive myself for my imperfections." May I feel peaceful. May I feel love. And just as anyone deserves to feel love. And in doing that little pause, like recognizing, ooh, this is a moment of ouch. Um, There's other people who are ouching right now. And giving myself some reassuring thoughts, I can often now stop that spiral and come back to myself. And then I'm making decisions out of a place of love. Mm. Like I have the cookie because, Oh my gosh, 
my daughter baked those cookies. She was so proud of herself. This was a really connected experience. And mm-hmm. I'm eating this with so much love and compassion and, and just connection versus I'm shoving co- cookies in my mouth because I'm feeling like guilt or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's different ways that you approach that. And now I'm looking at and, and working and it's a practice I've, you know, in and out of like, I love my body. I love myself. I love my energy. How do I fuel that feeling of love? What does a person who loves their energy consume in a day? And that's consumption of thoughts. That's consumption of food. That's consumption of media. That's consumption of all that stuff. Oh my God. That's amazing. I love, I love, love, love what you just said. Oh yeah. yeah. So I I feel like that is, that is like the, like if anybody's (laughs) going to take anything away, you need to rewind, listen to that piece again. I mean, that was so huge. I know for me, when you started to talk about, um, just feeling alone, I know for me, I can have something I've worked through a lot. It's like a lot of shame and guilt, you know, when I feel like I haven't done things right, um, yeah. or I've made mistakes, I can, you know, my, my parents have always, my mom, especially has always said that she's like, you're always your worst critic. Um, yeah. and I know that that can, I isolate is my tendency. Yeah. Um, when I'm in that space of like, I feel because I feel this shame, I don't want to be around people because my thought is, well, they are there, you know, sometimes the belief is like in the Byron Katie work of, well, they uh, think these things of me. And yeah. It's really me thinking those things of me. And, and because of that, I, I push people away or I isolate or. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how shame does that for all of us? Mm-hmm. What a common experience it is for all of us to feel that shame and then wanting to be like, oh, please don't see me. I, you know, yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm an imperfect human and I can't be seen until I'm perfect. And I really do feel like I have a very long journey also with perfectionism and my perfectionism came out of a space of just not wanting to rock the boat in my family, not wanting to like, if I rock the boat and wasn't perfect, then they might, they, the world might see imperfections in our family. And that felt scary and unsafe. And so, you know, also finding love and compassion for that, that part of you that is still just that old operating system that you learn pre seven years old (laughs) and say, okay, yeah, I see that. And now I am old enough to be able to do things a little differently. So thank you for all the work that you've, um, provided for me perfectionism. I love you. I accept you. You can sit at the table with me, but you can't drive the ship anymore. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. I I'm curious when, um, cause I know for me yeah. now raising children, um, you know, I have little children, but I'm going, Oh my God, am I going to screw my child? You know, I can see <laughs> behaviors that I learned, same thing, you know, perfectionism early age as a, yeah, a way to, um, to cope or whatever. I I find myself, you know, drawn to doing work like this because there's this, like, I want to try to give my kids a leg up from what I had. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not in, I don't know if my parents listen to my podcast, so I'm never saying (laughs) 
I didn't have a bad childhood. We all, we all just learn different behaviors. Um, when, when women work with you, are you, are you finding, are they moms? Are they maybe in a rough stage of life? Like who, Mm -hmm. who are the women that you coach, um, in your business? Yeah. I often work with moms, Mm -hmm. uh, but not everybody is mom is a mom. Um, but you know, our, our children are our greatest teachers. And I think that we can often put so much pressure on ourselves, especially in this world of resources that we have, of information, um, to do it all right so that we don't mess them up. Mm-hmm. And it is very challenging, but the approach that I have been working <laughs> with myself on is like, what if it's not my job to prevent them from experiencing pain, from to um, prevent them from experiencing failure or challenge? What if they are intended or meant to have these challenges? So I, my, one of my daughters, um, we are working on some, she has some neurodivergence, basically. She is, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on and um, I can't solve her problems for her. And the thing that I can do is be as centered, calm and loving as I can, except all of her, even the massive meltdowns that can last hours and can be result in some like physical challenges. And when I don't behave at my best, when I do yell or I do um, have a moment of misalignment, how do I come back to myself, forgive myself, and then go back to her at an appropriate time and just repair, say, Hey, mommy, I, did you notice I had a really hard time? Boy, that was hard for me too. And I, um, I wanted to say, I'm really sorry for the way that I reacted that it's not what I meant. And this is how I wanted it to go. You know, uh, ultimately my hope is that my children are able to have therapists and coaches and supporters and helpers to help them process the things that, you know, they experience in their childhood. It's, it's just part of life. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about, cause I was looking at your, you know, just the ways that you work with women, you know, people are yeah. hearing this and are going, Oh my gosh, I need her help. You know? yeah. How yeah. do they get involved with you? Yeah. And- you know, I like to work with women on a very personalized, customized approach. And so I um, often will try to just connect with people, learn more about where they're at, and then we can talk about what are the right tools and resources and process that really you're seeking and needing. Um, I'm trained in um, hypnotherapy and I have Reiki and of course the work of Byron Katie, which we haven't even touched on, is a huge part of my practice. So um, I do teach tools and then we also practice tools together and to me it's really about co-creating an experience and being able to um you know move together and and find that path and shift and and be a support for each other so that's typically the way i like to work one-on-one i am working on developing some um group programs so just knowing that not everybody is really seeking that but you might be looking for 
um, more community, more connection, an ability to connect with other women who are also care about nature, care about self-compassion, want to practice gratitude. Um, and so I have a couple of mechanisms that I'm working for that right now. Um, I have a kind of a seasonal series of eBooks that um, come also with a group coaching calls once a month. So when you purchase the ebook, you can join the, the community and it's been a really great way of um, practicing together. And, and then also, I don't know how many ebooks in my life I've purchased and never implemented. So this is a way of actually uh, creating, a, making a purchase and then kind of being accountable Following, to moving yeah. it. Yeah. Follow through actually yeah. implementing. Love it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then what about, I know, I just want to touch on, cause my best friend, um, yeah. did a, uh, a trip with you as well. You do, yes. which is also coaching, but like coaching on steroids, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm not sure what 2024 season is going to look like. I'm still trying to kind of figure that out, but every once in a while I do offer wilderness experiences. And the idea behind that is that we work together in, you know, a four to six month time period. And then in the middle is a wilderness trip where we will hike or kayak or do whatever it is that we are interested in. And we're really using the experience in the wilderness to catalyze the changes that we're looking for. So there's the, the front end planning and how do you create the space in your life? How do you ask for what you need from your family? How do you, I mean, also the technical stuff, where, how do you buy the gear and all that? And then you have a, a period of time out in the wilderness. And then you have the integration on the back end. What did I learn? How do I take those feelings that I have when I'm in the wilderness to bring into my life? For me, when I'm out in nature, deep in the woods, deep in wild places, my brain is quiet. It's still, I take out my journal to write about my problems. I'm like, there are no problems. Everything is good. Oh, and that feeling of spaciousness and stillness is then what I work to cultivate in the hustle and bustle of life. I love that. I love yeah. that. It's an anchor point. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, it's just so, I feel like what you do is so unique. You know, you do just don't, well, especially I live in Florida, so there's not a whole lot of like wilderness, you know, we have, we have like the beach and the river and we've got, we've got some woods, but you know, uh, got the Everglades, the terrain. Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. The terrain is, is different down here, but, um, do you want to touch on, because I know I mentioned that a little bit and, and you were saying, yeah, the Byron Katie work. So you were saying yeah. it's kind of the biggest part of that. That's kind of a tool maybe that somebody might even, you know, look into. <clears throat> yeah, the, it's amazing. Um, the work of Byron Katie has really changed my life and I um, teach it in a coaching program that we're both involved in and then also use it in my own coaching practice. And to me, it's, you can um, just Google it and you can learn a ton about it. Just listen to people practicing, but it is a way of um, 
questioning your thoughts and beliefs, a way of being able to be curious with your mind, like, wow, why is this thought here? How does it make me feel? And then diversifying the way that you're thinking about a situation. So often we have a situation that happens and then we get stuck in a rut of one way of thinking about it. And we can often ruminate and just kind of continue to think about it that one way. But with the work of buying crazy, it allows you to see more diversity in the way, other ways that it could also be true. So to me, so much of my life is about holding that two polar opposites can be equally true at the same time. I can have love and joy and happiness, and I can experience deep grief and sorrow and pain at the same time, even about the same situation. And the more that I can hold both of those in each hand, the more I'm able to kind of um, see life with more equanimity, with more ability to like not have to be one way or another, but to be okay with moving between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's what you were saying. Yeah. They can Google it. Right. Isn't it yes. just at the work, uh, the work.com I think work. it is. Yeah. 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 And, and then there's a podcast she has, um, at home with Byron Katie. Mm-hmm. YouTube has a lot of, um, basically what it is, is there's a worksheet, people fill it out and then she, Byron Katie or others like me help people look at question, feel into the worksheet and then, um, explore those turnarounds. Sometimes when you're just doing it yourself, it can be a little hard to see. So uh, it's helpful to have a guide or support network to to move through that. Got it. I was on, uh, my dog is barking right now. So I don't know if I'll edit this out. I'll probably just leave it as it is, but... <laughs> Okay. So if, um, you know, just people hearing this, how, where, you know, we'll put, you obviously have a website and links and stuff like that, but, um, if somebody's looking to, you know, hear more about you, learn more about you, um, I believe you have a podcast as well and website and all, all those things. Tell us. Yeah. Um, I have had a podcast in the past. It's still up though, not very active, but if you ever wanted to hear more and learn more. <clears throat> Sorry. Wild women, wild soul. Forgot my water bottle. Usually I have my water bottle with me. And oh, then yeah. um, necessary. <laughs> I know <laughs> I am like most active on Instagram at Morgan rough uplift. And, um, you can find me at morganruff.com, which is my website. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then you have a free 14-day gratitude challenge I saw on there. I do. Yeah. So if you are looking to start your gratitude challenge, Mm -hmm. I think um, it's a great way to start. You get a a daily email and all Mm -hmm. sorts of different, just different small ways that you can reshape and change the way you're practicing gratitude. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, and you and I talked to this episode, even though we're recording in October, this episode will come out closer to the holidays, um, which I think is a a great time, right? Sometimes we can just get so overwhelmed or even too just the holidays, you know, when there's been pain in the past, right? The holidays aren't necessarily a happy time for for people. So um, maybe bringing something like this in, you know, can really start to yeah. move the needle. Yeah, I think so. And and again, it's not about dismissing the pain or just, you know, 
not experiencing pain, but it's about giving yourself an opportunity to hold both. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh, yeah. well, thank you so much, Morgan. Is there any other like ending notes you want to, I mean, you just did one right there, but this <laughs> conversation has just been so rich. I just appreciate you coming on and um, sharing today and I just encourage everybody to check out, you know, what you do and all the things that you do yeah. and get involved. So. No, I really appreciate that. And I am so grateful to be able to come here. And I hope that of learning about self-compassion and gratitude and connecting to nature and creativity. I hope that that sparks in, in others um, what it's done for me and that you can begin to explore yourself this journey of self-discovery. It's, it's uh, quite the wild ride. Wild women, what is, wild women, wild soul. Wild women, wild soul. Yes. Wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you.